Joining us now on the Ozarks today is Jeff Clayton, president of the American Bail Coalition, part of our ongoing conversation about Missouri's new bail bond rules that have been handed down by the Supreme Court. Mr. Clayton, thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. So this conversation is one that I think has a lot of people on the fence, at least people who follow legal proceedings on a regular basis. And I think that that conversation includes prosecuting attorneys. On one side, I think they truly see and understand, uh, and many appreciate, the concept or at least the theory behind what the Supreme Court is trying to accomplish. We don't want modern-day debtors' courts. We want to make sure that people uh, are not punished for being poor uh, and make sure that people are treated equally uh, under terms of the law. And, and, you know, by the Constitution, people do have a right uh, not to have excessive uh, bonds set. They have a right to post bond. They have a right to be released. On the other hand, um, I'm not sure that the Supreme Court's method uh, at least according to prosecuting attorneys and general public perception by any means, um, is accomplishing that in a way that is, um, well, equitable, like they're trying to make it. Because I think there are an awful lot of people uh, who the nature of their crime are getting much lower bonds uh, or no bonds or own recognizance bonds and are being released, and that's got some prosecuting attorneys uh, fearful that they may go back out into the community and possibly harm someone again. Can you find a, a medium ground somewhere uh, in terms of, you know, how we make this policy work? I think so. I mean, I think you're right. I think the balance has been tilted, and I think the Supreme Court is trying to tilt the balance uh, against the use of bail. And, and, you know, I think the intentions are all good, that we want to make sure that the people that are in jail are indeed a flight risk, are indeed uh, a danger to the community, but judges already have to consider that now. So putting more hurdles in place for prosecutors, and of course the rule that's going to become effective in December uh, will require prosecutors and law enforcement to put on a showing that somebody's a danger or flight risk to get an arrest warrant. So I think we're going to weaken the system a little bit too much. Is there a way to get it done? Absolutely. But the Supreme Court's being awfully ivory tower at this point, and having a public process is just something they don't want to do. You know, this is something that has been implemented in other states. We're not the first ones to kind of go down this path. In your opinion, did the Supreme Court take a look at any precedent set in other states? Because, in all honesty, since this became a discussion in Missouri, I've not heard very many positive reviews from results that any other states have had since they've implemented similar measures. Well, that's the problem. We don't know what they considered. I can tell you they're behind the, the curveball on this because uh, what they were looking at and what happened was several years ago, and the and the fallout has been bad. I mean, Alaska uh, basically repealed its system. Uh, other states have had regrets and considered the same thing. Ohio just considered the same move and rejected it. So, you know, it's hard to say that they studied it for two years and they came to best practices when the issue completely changed, I think, last year uh, against the system of preventative detention and, and risk pretrial risk algorithms. You know, obviously, you know, I'm not naive. I, under, I, you know, I, I personally know some bail bondsmen. I understand there is an interest in protecting the system or the status quo um, for no other purpose than, you know, it provides income. It is a job. I completely understand that. I, I know there's much more to the intent behind that, but, you know, on the very basis of the uh, base of the conversation, I understand that perspective. But at the same time, uh, the bail bond industry has got very legitimate concerns because when you take a look at how many people are getting out, how many people are getting O.R., 
OR bonds, how many people uh, are getting very low monetary bonds. There's not an awful lot of incentive to make sure these people are coming back. And and, where's the incentive for a bail bond company to go round them up when they don't show up uh, if they're not involved in the bond process, if there's nothing in it for them uh, in the game? And we all know law enforcement very rarely has the time or manpower uh, to make an effort to round these people up. To them, it just kind of has to happen by happenstance. They come across them in a traffic stop, they'll hold on to them for somebody. Yeah, I think we're about the right to protect, you know, protect the right to bail, whether it's through a bail bondsman or otherwise. And I think, you know, in Missouri, and particularly in St. Louis, I mean, the judges are controlling the whole process with 10% of the court, which could be posted for a whole lot less with a bail bondsman. But the judges want to monkey with the system rather than giving people the right to bail. And either they meet their bail that the judge believes is, uh, as the Supreme Court said, necessary to guarantee, reasonably calculated to guarantee their appearance and the safety of the community, or not. And, uh, you know, the tinkering here we just think is, is excessive, and I think there's a better way to do it, for sure. And, Jeff, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to bring up as well, because one of our local prosecuting attorneys said this also. A lot of what has been handed down by the Supreme Court was already being done. Uh, we had this conversation. We've had a couple of different panel discussions on this program with prosecutors and defense attorneys and sheriffs and bail bondsmen uh, talking about what's going on. Without a doubt, this benefits, I would say, the majority of people because the majority of people don't commit uh, felonies. The most majority of people don't commit violent crimes. The majority of people, we're talking traffic stops, maybe a DUI, misdemeanors, things of that nature, things in which they are generally not perceived to be a threat to the public or a flight risk. But in those particular cases, those people are already getting out on their own recognizance or on a very minimal cash bond. That stuff was already being done, um, and it seems like the Supreme Court has made it harder to keep uh, the people behind bars who need to be behind bars. Yeah, I think the Supreme Court wants more of it, and that's why the rules exist. But I think the most telling thing that I've read is the Dixon versus City of St. Louis case where the federal judge said, we don't need new rules. We need people to take the old rules seriously and have some real due process, and we'll get better results if we take it seriously, whether that's having an appropriate higher bond or giving the right person uh, an OR bond. And right now, people aren't taking it seriously. It's kind of a roll of the dice to a certain degree, and, and that's wrong. But that has nothing to do with the rules. That's how it's implemented, and that's what needs to probably change. Boy, doesn't that seem to be the case with an awful lot of legislation? If we would enforce what we've already, uh, what we've already tried to put in practice, things might run a lot more smoothly. Yeah, I mean, it's just the bureaucracy and trying to get it to do something is crazy, which is why the Supreme Court should have listened to groups on the outside that deal with this all the time, uh, rather than just stacking the committee with people that were friendly. Now, as I said, I kind of sit on the fence on this because I understand the concept and the theory behind what the Supreme Court is trying to do. Uh, And and I'm not going to condemn the entire system from the top down, because quite frankly, there are cases where, you know, maybe bonds are ridiculous, and and it is unfair that someone is held in jail when they're innocent until proven guilty on something. They lose their job, and then they're put back in jail because they can't afford to pay a bill for being put in jail, Well, they never asked to be put there to begin with, which, by the way, is something else that's been outlawed now, thanks to the governor uh, eliminating those modern-day debtors' prisons. I do think that is inherently unfair in the system, uh, and it benefits someone of a higher economic standing. So I get that. I understand that concept, but there is still something to be said for needing, as we talked about earlier, that bond and that bail process uh, to remain in place. Yeah, and there's so many go- things going on with Missouri's bail system that need to be looked at in a serious way, and data needs to be pulled, and we need to have a full picture of what's going on, and we don't. There is no report from the Supreme Court, and I'm not even sure if they considered any data. But I'm with you. There are cases we need to look at, and if we don't pull the data to find out, we're never going to know. 
So what's the next step? What do you guys recommend at, at this point? I mean, the rules are in place, and I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can put the horse back in the barn at this point. Well, interestingly, the Supreme Court tried to amend the rules a week before and then determined that they couldn't implement those because that would have been unconstitutional. So they left the flawed rules in place. They didn't, uh, you know, put the fixes in place until December. You know, our view is we just need to put, push the reset button on this, uh, have the other branches of government involved and have, have the public and other groups involved. In other states, we've seen that happen. And what we've discovered in each one of these studies is every state's unique and certain states have certain problems and certain states don't have other problems. But until you actually do a real a full look at the system, I don't think you're going to find any solutions, because you won't know what the problems are. And Jeff, I think another part of the problem with this is so many times we look for a set of guidelines or a list of rules, and when you're talking about something like the criminal justice system, and particularly whether someone is a flight risk or a threat to the community, so many different factors have to be taken into into consideration that makes each and every case so individual and unique that kind of you know guideline system doesn't necessarily work and of course we all get it we're all familiar with the facebook lawyers and attorneys uh who who don't know the constitution and don't know or just simply don't care about people's rights they go online they see that someone is accused of a second degree murder well they don't know the details and they don't read the details and they don't realize that well that's a self-defense case where someone is the person he shot allegedly had attacked them several times and was clad in black and was armed with a taser on their property at nine o'clock at night that person's not going anywhere. They're not a flight risk. They're not necessarily a danger to the community. But people see the charges and think that nobody should ever get bond or even, you know, really, some people think, uh, a trial by jury. They just say, hang everybody now. And that seems to be consensus on Facebook and social media. So you can't just suspend people's rights when they are uh, inherently innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, the rights of the prosecution and the rights of, you know, the people of the state of Missouri and the, and the victims. And that's a tight balance for judges. And of course, every defendant's going to tell you they're not a flight risk and they're not a danger to the community uh, and that they should be released for free. But that's not reality. And I think you're exactly right. It should be an individualized basis. And the other thing is, you know, every, every defendant will tell the media that they got hosed by the system, uh, but they don't have, the, typically not, never have the information that the judges have when they're looking at these people and making these individualized decisions. Right. And the prosecutors, to their credit, are, are opposing a lot of these bond reductions that are coming forward. Is it a case where, are the judges' hands tied, do you think? Or are the judges, you know, are they simply following what the Supreme Court tells them? Or do they still have... Uh, I think they've still got a little bit of flexibility in determining how much they're going to reduce a bond and what restrictions they put on them. Yeah, I think they do have flexibility. They're going to have less under the new rules, and things are going to change. But, uh, you know, I think there's a fear of litigation generally with the St. Louis case and the other cases that have been going throughout the South that, you know, we need to take a look at this. But what they don't realize is it's more about due process than the substance. In other words, we just need to hear people faster and make sure that the hearings are for real faster. Uh, And that's what we learned in St. Louis is they weren't. Uh, And that due process issue question, I think, will help judges smooth this out and, you know, do a better job to where people feel like they're getting a more just result. But isn't that in the new rules that they've got to have a hearing within 24 to 48 hours and, uh, and, you know, be set free if that doesn't happen? Yeah, I mean, even even the old rules were constitutional in that respect, at least according to the judge in St. Louis. But everybody was just ignoring it. The sheriffs were instructing defendants not to say anything. Uh, and that doesn't amount to due process. And sometimes attorneys weren't involved when they, when they were going to hearing, and they didn't know they had to file a motion. So there's all kinds of practical problems involved. And like I said, I think it's more of that implementing properly, even the old rule, than it is you know trying to write some new rules to fix it. 
you know, you mentioned getting the other branches involved in, in kind of doing a reset on this thing, maybe starting over, uh, holding a discussion period where everybody has a chance to weigh in, including, uh, including the prosecutors uh, and including, uh, I guess you would say, the defense attorneys, public defenders, sheriff's association, I'm sure, has some input on this thing as well. Um, has your organization reached out or has anybody from the Missouri legislature reached out to the Supreme Court and said, I'm a new let's go back and take a look at this thing? Yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, at least one letter from uh, Representative Hill uh, calling for them to to pause the rules so that a full process could happen. I don't know if anybody else has has sent anything. Uh, Certainly those are conversations we're going to have, and that's what we told the Supreme Court we were going to say, which is even if if everything was righteous, the process was so faulty that uh, we think we need to start over. I mean, of course, we don't think it, we don't think the result is righteous either, especially in light of what's happened on this issue in the last couple of months, uh, particularly when it comes to these use of these risk assessments. All right, Jeff Clayton, once again, president of the American Bail Coalition. I greatly appreciate your time and input, sir, and obviously we'll continue to follow this thing going forward because it's a conversation and it's not going to end anytime soon. It is. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great evening, sir. You too. Jeff Clayton from the American Bail Coalition. Um, Tell you what, there are some people who are not happy with what's happened. Uh, There are some people who I think are, uh, are gritting their teeth and maybe biting their tongue and kind of going along with what's been put into place, but it, it really is, uh, to, to me, a tough issue because I, I think both sides are very valid points. You need something to incentivize and to ensure that people will uh, be held accountable for the allegations against them, but at the same time, they are merely allegations against them. You do have a right to bond in most cases, and the very extreme circumstances uh, is no bond acceptable. And you have a right to be considered innocent until proven guilty. You know, n- nobody wants to, to be charged with a misdemeanor and be held in jail for three weeks and lose a job and then we get sent a bill for being in jail and then be put in jail because you can't afford to pay the bill for the last time they put you in jail. Interesting subject, and again, it will be an ongoing discussion for quite some time.